0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host and founder of Seeking Excellence. Dude, today is a great conversation with my man, Father Meyer. you got to go listen to some of the other podcasts we record together. If you love this one, you'll love those as well. Um, Father Meyer and I have done, I want to say three or four before this one together. And so love that guy. He's on our board of directors, has a great background. You can go to thosewhoseek.org to learn more about his background, his story. But Father Meyer and I today discuss going back to normal, right? So at the end of the pandemic, everybody's like, I want to go back to normal. I want to experience normalcy again. And Father Meyer gives us some great stats, some great perspective on how bad normal was, especially for Catholics, especially Catholics in America. And so how can we create a new normal going forward? How can we pursue spiritual Catholic excellence? We're going to talk about that today. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. God bless you.
1: lead others, and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence.
0: Father Jonathan Meyer, one of my favorite priests in America. How are you doing today, my man?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing well. It's always a
0: good day when I get to record with you. I love recording with you and Father Chase. Uh, I think it's always a blast, you know, and I think as we do it more consistently, we get better at it together and it just gets more and more fun.
2: Are you, did you just say like the first few times we did it was horrible or what? I mean, I'm no, I'm just saying that we, that, but...
0: we consistently improve. We're going from good to great. We're on the journey. You know what I'm
2: saying? I do. I know what you're saying.
0: And so today we have a great topic that you've pretty much created and written out for us completely in uh, a homily that you gave. I didn't realize until listening to it again last night that it was from February.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it's from a little bit of a while back, not too far, not too long ago, but such a great topic, you know, and talking about returning to normal. And you asked uh, the crowd, I like how you asked the crowd, was that a men's conference, correct? Yep, yep. And you said, hey, how many people in here, raise your hand if you wanna to return to normal, if you're looking forward to go back to normal. And then you're like, normal sucks. You didn't say that because you were at the pulpit, but that was what you were thinking. And you're just like, no, normal is horrific. And I think that's such an important thing because I think all of us are just like, I just want to go back to normal and things get back to normal. Um, you know, during this pandemic, we're just really eager to do that. And it is such an important thing. And I don't think, uh, you know, either, I don't think either the good side or the bad side, right? Good versus evil in the world today. I don't think either of those sides want to go back to normal. It's everybody who's kind of in between right? Like, I think the evil forces in the world are trying to create a new normal that's going to be more controlling, more restricted on churches, more restricted on personal freedoms. And then you have the good, you know, and I think what we're going to advocate for today, hopefully, of advocating that we also need a new normal, right? We need to restructure, relook at how we're doing things. And I think it's the people who are kind of, you know, lukewarm and in the middle, who are just like, yeah, you know, I just want to go back to how life was before, you know, have have this desire to kind of return back to, um, yeah, a negative normal and complacency. And so talk to me today a little bit. What do you mean by that? What do you mean that you don't want to go back to normal, Father Meyer?
2: Yeah, so I think, uh, thank you for the intro there, by the way. But I think that it's really interesting for us as Catholics to look at what <clears throat> was considered to be normal prior to the pandemic and to do everything we possibly can to not return there. Because it's it's really, really, really bad. So yeah. I found just like, as a, as a and this is not just like a Catholic priest, but like my personality within itself was a little ADHD. Um, I always like to say that like, you know, my mom and dad said that I was hyper and um, you know, I was. But- um, I believe that. It's sometimes hard for me to like stay, you know, on track or think about something for a really long time. And our world does this as well. And because I think all the more of the advances of technology and media, it's even worse than what it used to be. I mean, people are constantly like, you know, you swipe your screen all the time. You're looking at things all the time that are always changing. So like we we do this in the church, right? So like two summers ago, the data came out that 70% of Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. So then like it blew up and like, everybody's talking about that. And that lasted for maybe about a week. And then everybody, you know, went on to talk about something else. And like nothing was ever came out of that when it really comes down to it. Um, So anyways, people got upset about that and they moved on. And then like, you know, someone's gonna put out some sort of, you know, Exodus 90 will come out and we'll talk about, oh, we all need to, you know, stop looking at porn and stop you know eating too much and we need to you know take cold showers and we talk about that and then you know we have the pro-life march in january and people are like oh abortion is horrible and we have 40 days for life but i don't think like comprehensively we often take a really good view of like what's actually happening mm-hmm. and like if you look at it comprehensively if you like throw all the data together like things are really 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 bad so I dared to do that, and decided to look at it all together, and it really is toxic. So normal in the Catholic Church is horrible. So, like, I'll just throw I'll just throw out my litany of data. Are we ready? Yeah, for this? hit us
0: with the numbers here.
2: Okay, seventy percent of Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. Only twenty four percent of Catholics attend Mass every Sunday. Thirty six percent of Catholics consider themselves pro choice. Sixty five percent of non practicing Catholics consider themselves pro. of American Catholics have used contraception. 74% of Catholics have no objection to couples cohabitating prior to marriage. Nathan, hopefully you're not. 28% of American Catholics um, who have ever been married have since divorced and remarried. 80% of men admit to viewing porn in the last week, 98% in the past six months. 22.5% of the annual Is the annual income that most families. Sorry, sorry.
0: I think it was 2.5%.
2: Yeah, that should be be 2.5%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 2.5% is the annual uh, amount of of income that most families give to the church instead of the 10% that they are asked to give by God. Um, For every one person that joins the church, six people leave. And for those who join the church through the RCIA process, 60% of them leave within five years. Um, That's like, if we, and there's there's probably other data points out there. Like these are just the ones that I looked up on the internet within, you know, five minutes and was like, hey, things are really bad. And going back to like this, like if this is going back to normal, like I just want things to be normal in my parish again. Things were horrible in your parish. Like, why would you want to go back to that? <laughs> like, like that's like terrible. I mean, like, that's, yeah. Yeah, but when we talk about toxic, that's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. So I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go back to a better church. I want to go back to a church that's pro-life and loves the Eucharist and uh, loves marriage and wants marriages to be successful and loves babies and loves life. And uh, yeah. I would, that's what I want. That's what I want. So I
0: think I think it's a great desire. Yeah. And, and you know, I love I love the different approaches here and all the different topics that that your litany of stats, you know, really covered because I think it's one of those things, and maybe we could just kind of discuss this for a little bit of like how do you be comprehensive? Like, what does a comprehensive approach look like? I think it's what we're attempting to do with seeking excellence and talking about all these different topics and being well-rounded, right? And addressing all of these things, uh, you know. In, in in the human life experience, right? And and just all the ways that we feel like your faith should form and shape who you are as a person should shape your life should shape your beliefs. And, uh, you know, I think it's really hard to do that. I think sometimes people will neglect it or people kind of, I, I think people always try to oversimplify how we need to approach life, right? And just focus on just one thing or just one little area. And if we could just get people to do just this one thing, it'll change your life, it'll change the world. And that can be true to a certain extent, right? Like, there's, there's certain aspects of life. like, obviously, if you if you pray consistently every day, like it, it will change your life and it will draw you yeah, closer to God. yeah, yeah. Um, And there's no doubt that all of these things have to be broken down into small daily incremental steps that people can actually take and achieve because you can't just transform somebody overnight or in a day. But I think we do have to take this kind of holistic sense to excellence as individuals, but also what you're talking about kind of is, is taking it as a church, right? And saying like, how can we fully like consider all these things and think about all these issues and what is the comprehensive total uh you know full picture way to approach some of these issues within the church so we're not just saying wow only only less than a third of us believe in the true presence of the eucharist maybe we should worry about that for more than a week you know like how do we actually address that what do we do with that
2: Um, and what do you do with that in so like and the reality is is that they all are They all are connected. If you don't believe that Jesus is truly present, blessed sacrament, then why the heck are you going to give financially to that? If you don't understand why are you going to go to Mass every Sunday? Yeah. If Jesus is pouring himself out on the altar and giving us everything he has, well, then it makes a little more sense that I'm going to financially give my God who gives me everything. If I understand that Jesus says, you know, this is my body given up for you, well, then it's also probably going to affect the fact that, like, I think that. You know someone saying this is my body this is my choice uh i'll do whatever i want with my body like so they they are all related they, yeah and the it's really bad i mean like yeah. you see the individualism the hedonism the minimalism uh and the relativism we, we talk often about the four isms of life that are toxic minimalism relativism hedonism individualism and you see that just rampant in all of this which is really a secularized church
0: yeah absolutely yeah and it is interesting to think about that you know if you say my body my choice then why wouldn't you be able to cohabitate before marriage you know if it's my body my choice and it's all about that then why wouldn't you view pornography or you know heavily consider getting divorced if things aren't going well in marriage it's yeah. it's it's crazy, yeah. How much, especially those four, the four isms, really affect all these different areas of our lives. And it kind of comes back to I don't know if I've ever talked with you about this, but I've talked on the podcast before about what I call kind of like the core questions of life or of, of the faith that really lead to all these other things, right? And so if you believe that God exists, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was you know crucified and raised from the dead, and that you believe that He established the Catholic Church and therefore the Catholic Church has authority. Like all these other things are solved, right? But we don't we don't ever think about it in that yeah. way, you know? And I think that one thing I've been talking about a lot lately, it's kind of become a theme is that the devil has done such incredible work and made such strong progress in getting people to not even have the actual debates that need to be had. Instead, we're debating all these other things and changing the language on things. So like an example I've given in that is in our pro-life podcast, we talked about how people don't talk about whether or not it's a human life. Now we're debating whether or not women, you know, reproductive rights are a basic human right. And it's like, man, like to swap the conversation, like, that's crazy. Like that's, it's almost impressive, right? Like, I mean, the work that's been done in the world, like, and how evil has conquered the world is, is in such a strong way, you know, is, is, or has made a lot of progress in that. I think a lot of that is just the language that's used. And so people aren't debating, like, do I believe the Catholic church has authority you know, and what does that mean for my life? Do I believe and accept the fullness of the faith? And, and like, do, what, what does it mean to like be a follower of Jesus? Instead, now we're debating, uh, people aren't even gonna do, so you can't even get into some of this stuff, right? So when people talk about cohabitating, it's, it's not how does my faith impact this area or what does God say about my life or, you know, the internal realities of like, am I willing to suffer and, and do something that might be less practical, might be less advantageous, you know, in the world's eyes for the sake of my soul, and the soul of my fiance or my girlfriend. And people don't really stop to think about that anymore, right? Now the debate is just, you know, what's going to be better for you financially and what's everybody else doing, you know? Or what do I want to do? Like, that's that's a debate instead of being like, what does the church say? What does God say? What does scripture say about this topic, right? And so like the debate, yeah, I, the conversation just completely shifted.
2: Yeah, the, the the thought that the church has authority in in these moral areas of it's it's we're fools when we think that like that's still the case um in 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 mainstream culture um right church is literally just an annoyance i mean yeah you look at these stats it's very very clear and these are stats for the church this is not saying like hey let's look specifically at the stats of like what people 35 and under believe i mean like we would probably like it'd be it'd be very interesting to to you know and I don't know if that data is even out there. Um, But then, like, so there's some other data that's very, very interesting. So, in the 2018 study on young adults leaving the Catholic Church, uh, they found out that people stopped identifying as a Catholic at the median age of 13. That's like unbelievable. When we begin to really look at the data of what's happening. Right. When people who start being presented with these lies from society um, in comparison to the truths that will ultimately set them free. Um, I don't think I've never met anybody who's, uh, and I've argued with a lot of people. I mean, I work at a public high school every single day. I've never met a kid who ultimately will say that pornography has set them free. Um, you know, that mm-hmm. having multiple sexual partners has set them free and they're a better person because of it but our world is just toxically throwing that into their face that this is, you know, what our, so it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, Absolutely. So I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Um, yeah. So then we talk about moving forward and you can throw some more stats on it. So <clears throat> what, what is like those stats? I think we could all agree. were pretty bad. Um, yeah. The problem that's even like worse. So is that, in no other time in American history have there been more Catholics in power. Those Catholics, as it seems, uh, follow those statistics pretty, pretty, uh, pretty truly. I mean, like in no other time in American history have we had a Catholic president, a Catholic speaker of the house, six Supreme Court justices, 25 members of the Senate, 133 members of the house, 17 governors, never before. Have there been more Catholics in political power and political influence? Yet the question is, what do they influence? And from what, right. like, foundation are they influencing? So, it's like, going back to normal, like, every Catholic should be, like, the last thing we want is to go back to a normalized Catholic church.
0: Yeah, that's what, great. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: And what we should be striving for is to say, uh, no, we, we actually we actually need to just go back to, like, our roots, which is all the more like living out our belief in the true presence, living out our pro-life cause, living out our belief in marriage, living out our belief in family, living out our belief in be, living well-balanced lives uh, of generosity, of uh, of stewardship, um, of evangelization. Like that, that's the church. And the more that the church weds itself to the world, it's, uh, as we're seeing, it's not very much fruit. No,
0: not good for anyone. No. Uh, real, real quick on that, on the politicians, I want to ask your perspective yeah. on this because I think that it is such a commonly debated thing. So when we say that, you know, there's a Catholic president and a Catholic speaker of the house, obviously there's a lot of objections to a lot of people when people like Joe Biden say that they're Catholic when they stand so firmly against so many things that are, church teaching right and so what's your perspective on that like you know i know there's always a debate of like you are if you're baptized catholic technically you're always catholic right so there's a lot of people who are falling away catholics that will be like i'm not catholic anymore and then there's a lot of priests will be like sorry to break it to you bud but you're always catholic but at the same time like one of my biggest pet peeves especially as a convert was always people who are seriously anti-catholic that were baptized catholic they go around saying they're catholic that you know are cohabitating that say they're pro-choice you know what i mean and are using contraception they're doing all these things that it's like i'd rather you didn't say that you're catholic so what is like do you use the term faithful catholic practicing catholic like what do you how do you kind of break that down
2: yeah i mean i i think for me it's just using the word like yeah faithful catholic or i'm you know i'm yeah i'm 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 literally practicing my faith like i'm living out my faith i i think i i do think that there's going to be a point in the future where we're going to have to like, distinguish there's going to be like we are or orth- like not right. orthodox and like, like yeah there's going to have to be a way to clarify the fact of like yeah you want to know what i'm i mean one of the one of the easiest ways to be like yeah I, i'm a catholic who doesn't believe in contraception like if you if you if you say that then like pretty much we all know where you're at <laughs> right. Right. my yeah. name is joe schmo and i believe that uh contraceptive sex is not god's will Oh, okay. I know where you stand on everything. We're <laughs> right. like, if you just say, yeah, that's Oh, you're Catholic. Oh, did you go to Catholic high school? Oh, wow. That's great. You went to Catholic college. Oh, wow. You actually, that, that means nothing. I don't, I don't know when right. you say I'm Catholic and I went to a Catholic high school and a Catholic college. I, I, I still don't know what that means. Do you go to right. mass? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I have, yeah, I, like that's I
0: don't. not even answered in that, in that statement. Like, do
2: you believe in God? I mean, I, I, I'm not yeah, talking legit.
0: about it. No, legit. I think,
2: yeah, I think they're, yeah. So I think we, it, it, it would probably be good for us at some point to make a distinction. Uh, Absolutely. We need to come up with a word for it.
0: Yeah. I'll put you in
2: charge of that. <laughs>
0: good. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've been passionate about that for years now, like literally five to seven years going back to college, because I, I'll never forget. Dude, this is so funny. So This has happened kind of twice in my life where we're or actually like kind of three times. So when I was a young kid, uh, the, my friends now who are, you know, cohabit my high school friends and stuff like that, who are now cohabitating and doing their thing. And, um, th- like some of them used to make fun of me when I was younger for not going to mass because I was, my family was Protestant and my parents didn't go to church by the time I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 until I converted. Um, and you know, it was funny cause I would think about this back in college and be like, man, the ones who used to make fun of me for not going to mass, I go to mass more in a week than they do in a month, you know? And then it was like the kids that I was in college with, I remember kids telling me like, I'd be like, Hey man, like, are you, are you Catholic? And they'd be like, yeah. Oh dude, I'm super Catholic. My grandma goes to church like every day. And I, dude, I was an altar server for like seven years, you know? And I'm just like, everything you just said, do you, do you even believe in God? Like, do you go to mass? You know, like why are you telling me about everybody else and decisions your parents made or your grandmother made?
2: Yeah, that I do find that to be very interesting when you ask someone about like, oh so are you Catholic. Yeah, my mom and dad were unbelievably Catholic. Like we went to Mass every single Sunday. And yeah, and people, the the altar servers experiences. And then the, the question is like, no, I asked the question, like, are you Catholic? Mm-hmm. Do you follow the absolute bare minimum precepts of the church? Going to mass every single Sunday, receiving for Holy Communion, going to confession, contributing to the church. Like, yeah. Uh, fasting praying like do you do that Um, it's uh, quite interesting but
0: yeah you know and then I think about so much now when I get into arguments with people on social media and especially people that I've known in my life like it's amazing and it's not amazing it's mind-blowing to me how often it'll be somebody who like back in my super ratchet days, right, and I've had a lot of ratchet days since then, but like my super ratchet days, like in high school, early college, like the the kids who would lead my retreats back then when I was just wild and off the hinges are now the ones who are arguing with me about abortion and are pro-choice, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, it's it's just, it's wild how much things can switch and things can change. And, you know, I think it's so interesting too, how many people that I know now, and this is, these are the stats I feel like are we don't have, or how many of the kids who were into their faith between 13, 17, that leave, or the ones who are now, like you're practicing young adults, how many of us actually came to the faith like post-18,
1: you
0: know, and how much I think that young adult group is really, really vulnerable. I I used to always joke and say that uh, it's a lot easier to do college uh, ministry or young adult ministry than high school ministry, because when you're in high school, you think you know everything and you know nothing, which is a hard group to reach. And then when you're in college, I feel like you think you know nothing, but you do know some things, right? Like you get to college and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is hard, I have to manage my own time. I have to like feed myself, right? And you kind of realize like, wow, this is kind of hard. And then I think when you're a young adult, you do know some things and you realize there's a lot that you don't know.
2: I think it's interesting if when you talk about this whole issue of, you know, you were a non-Catholic in a Catholic culture and they wanted you to become Catholic then you become Catholic. They leave their Catholic bubble and they then become anti-Catholic in many different topics. Right. And are mad at me for how Catholic I am. So I think what's interesting is this. So one of the basic, and this is something you can you can put a lot of stake on this. Belonging precedes believing.
1: Mm.
2: Belonging precedes believing and giving precedes belonging. No, no, no. belonging precedes believing. Yeah, and then believing precedes giving. So this is a stewardship model when they talk about how do do you get someone to give to an institution? Mm. They need to first belong, then they'll believe and then they'll give. So let's just look at these like just in your, in your particular situation, you're a non-Catholic in a Catholic culture, a Catholic school. These students there have a great sense of belonging. They belong to a Catholic school. They belong to a Catholic culture. They, and they want you to belong. And so you do. And you choose. You make a deliberate choice to become part of it. You right. study it. You come to know it. And you own it they most likely didn't do go through that process. They went through a process of enculturization because of their grandma and grandpa who paid for their Catholic education. Mm-hmm. But then they go to college, they actually see a new sense of belonging. I want to belong to this fraternity, this organization. I want to belong to the world. And they do. And the reality is, is that they now Those have given believe. into a culture of belonging. They belong to their boyfriend, they belong to their girlfriend, they belong to their friends group, they belong to their people um, at the gym, at the CrossFit, at their business, at their school, in their sorority, they wanna belong. So everything they used to believe, they stop believing because of the, the desire and the need to belong is so huge that they're willing to change their beliefs so that they can belong and they want so badly to fit in. So the drinking, the premarital sex, the cohabitation, they cast their beliefs aside to belong. It's why 90%, like we would talk about financial reasons for uh, cohabitation. The reason, the the vast majority reason of why like, this is like a whole other topic, but like so many people cohabitate, it really is a deep sense of insecurity I'm going to move in with this person because I want to belong. And if I don't feel, if I don't belong here, then I'm not gonna belong somewhere else. But um, anyways, back to the, to the original point that I was ultimately making is just the fact that like, it is so much about belonging. You made a deliberate right. choice to, 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 to belong to the church. You found good friends there in your, and so your beliefs have remained true. Um, and the, the beautiful thing, of course, you know, that these beliefs endure, these beliefs last, and these, bel- these beliefs do bring freedom and joy and peace. And We know that the world and what the world is offering doesn't offer any of that. And that's the really hard part is that we see our friends, we see family members, and they're choosing deliberately to belong to the world and to belong to another culture. And that culture is just death. Yep. It's so sad.
0: Yeah, Ugh. incredibly. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting when you brought up there uh, kind of like the culture and, and just cultural Catholicism, right? It's, it's wild how much that's kind of spread. And I, you saw that, I saw that a lot growing up and noticed at first with uh, the, like Jewish people, right? And how many people were like culturally Jewish, but had no practicing Judaism, right? And I, I never knew that that existed because of like going to a Catholic school. And then I started growing up and you started meeting more Jewish people. And I'm like, you said you're Jewish. And then I was like, but doesn't that mean like you do X, Y, and Z, right? Like <laughs> you do these, these things, right?
2: That Jews as, they're, as, they're eat, as they're eating bacon in front of you. <laughs> right, yeah,
0: you know what I mean? And I'm like, Don't, doesn't that mean something? And then it's just like, oh, you just mean like you're culturally Jewish. And then I started realizing like, wow, Catholics do that, you know? And I remember I wrote a talk back in college that, that talked about everything you said earlier of if I wouldn't it be a beautiful world if when I said to you I'm Catholic, you knew all those things about me, right? all the things that you said, you could assume if I said I'm Catholic, and I don't believe in contraception, or I don't believe contraception is God's will. Um, Like, if if you could assume all of those things, just from me saying that I'm Catholic, it'd be a beautiful thing. But what's really interesting to me is that I think we're coming out of two generations of cultural Catholics, and now into people who are just abandoning it, right? Like now we have this rise of the nuns, uh, you know, N-O-N-E, nuns, uh, people who have no religious affiliation. I mean, you could even see it when you were talking about the stats earlier here that you you sent uh, the number of U.S. governors, 17 Catholics, the next leading group is non-religious mm-hmm. at 11, right? And so I think that's such a growing group of people, and you have a lot of Catholics that are becoming nuns um, or that are becoming, you know, evangelical Protestant. But talking about those nuns, I think that we're losing that sense of cultural Catholicism where back in the day, you know, sometimes our parents, at least they had that, what they what we would call, or what they would call Catholic guilt. Right. If they were to move in with their boyfriend, or if they got pregnant out of wedlock or they, you know, it's still say like, well, at least I got to get married in the church because of grandma or because of my parents. Or, but now, like this generation, like I'm seeing people now who are like, yeah, my parents are kind of upset by it, but I don't really care. You know, like there's not even like the the sense of guilt or obligation or the cultural you know, norms to say, well, I'm still going to at least get my child baptized because it's kind of the cultural norm. Some people are still doing that, but I think we're seeing that rapidly decrease where people kind of feel yeah. this even like cultural obligation because now their cultural obligation is exactly what you just said. And I think, I mean, universities, we can get the whole thing of public education. And I mean, even a lot of Catholic schools that indoctrinate people into this, you know, the religion of wokeism or um, progressivism or, you know, modernism.
2: Yeah. So when we look at the U S governors, 17 are Catholic, 11 non-religious, eight unspecified Christians. So what's interesting is this, is that if, those 17 who are claimed to be Roman Catholic actually lived their catholic faith they would have never been elected yeah so and we can say well but Joe Biden was elected <laughs> yeah <laughs> is Joe is Joe Biden espousing his catholic faith
0: Right, the only person I think who is on that list that could be an exception to that is uh, Amy Coney Barrett who got incredible amounts of hate for actually being a, a practicing faithful Catholic.
2: Yep, But like, and in the future, as we, as we continue down that road because the definition of what it is to be a normalized Catholic, you don't believe in the true presence, you, you use contraception, you think that abortion is okay. That's now normalized as what it is to be a Catholic I mean look at our Catholic colleges look at our Catholic high schools it's mm-hmm. it's now normalized that if you're a Roman Catholic then you don't believe in the true presence you don't go to Mass on Sunday you don't um, you don't financially give you don't, I mean the, the, the list goes on and on and on right right so that's now normal to believe to, to be a Catholic like that yep. So people are like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if they're Catholic and we vote for them. I mean, look at Joe Biden.
0: Yeah, and you have bishops and priests and tons of vocal lay people across the country who normalize
2: that. Yep. And fight to normalize that. Look at Nancy Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi says that she's Catholic. She loves being Catholic. Um, And yet, you know, she believes in contraception. She believes in abortion. She... You know, the list like can go strongly
0: on. advocates for them.
2: Yeah. She's willing to take out the little sisters of the poor. She um, you know, so does she go to Eucharistic adoration? Does she do a holy hour every week at her parish? Does she pray the rosary every day? Does she consecrate right. herself to our lady? Does she honor? I mean, like, I'm not like I would love to I would love to talk to Nancy Pelosi about that. I would love to talk to her about her Catholic faith and what that means to her right um but really,
0: um, i think it's really by sad the way if too. anybody
2: go ahead if anybody has like if anybody like wants to invite her i would be more than willing nathan and i would love <laughs> have her on the pod and <laughs> nancy pelosi that would be on great podcasts. yeah i mean why not we're all catholic we're all catholic right i mean why right. wouldn't why wouldn't why shouldn't that happen i mean right wouldn't it be awesome we could Dude. talk about absolutely all of these things Two, two really and we could dudes. talk about like we could talk about how awesome it is that there are more Catholics in power right now in America than there ever have been. This is the Catholic golden era. Yep. And we every, every Catholic should walk around just absolutely pumped about that. so excited about that. But we're not. We're embarrassed actually, and we're enraged, and we're yeah. angry, and we're very confused, and we're waiting for someone to somehow help us and lead us out of this. Um, and we just keep waiting for that profit to arise. And they don't seem to be coming very quickly, do they? No. So Absolutely that's why we're not. talking about this. Because normal is terrible. So someone, please break the normal. Break the normal.
0: One of the big things that I've been uh, really pondering a lot in recent years, but especially this recently, is uh, I'm reading A Church in Crisis by uh, Ralph Martin, which I think I've read oh. now in like four podcasts. Fire. Yeah. Father Chase and I actually just talked about the other day because he had it actually behind him while we were recording. And, but one of the big things he talks about in that is that this ever, um, I, I wish I could remember like the one quote that he says, that's absolute fire, but just this, another thing that the devil, um, has, has made a lot of progress in the world is pushing this belief that salvation is for all, you know, and you, you hear church leaders, uh, all the way up to the Vatican sometimes talking about, Um, how, you know, we don't know, like, maybe hell's empty, maybe people don't go to hell, right? Like, and I think that that causes people to just, you never ask the question of how does God affect my life? How does this decision affect my relationship with God, right? This action and this choice. And you see these people, you know, these, these so called Catholics who are in power and in leadership. And the, the sad thing is that people don't think about that, right? And like, we genuinely, and I know you do. I, I assume for you, and I think I can assume rightly, and I know for myself. Like, as frustrated as I get with Nancy Pelosi or with Joe Biden and these people, like, I legitimately feel sorrow for them. Yeah. Right. For this fact that they are like they are living far away from God, and and parading around acting like they're living close to God. You know, or he has this great quote from uh, uh, former Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who talks about how he's growing closer to God through his homosexual relationship and um, you know, how God is pleased with what he's doing and, and Christians who are are awful, who say that he's wrong. And it's just like, you know, you feel like sorrow for these people. Like, yeah, it's frustrating because they're in public office, but on a personal level and why we pray for them is because of the fact that like it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's incredibly endangering to one's soul to not only personally hold on to sin and believe sinful beliefs, but then to promote them and encourage them on a national, global scale yeah. is, I mean, seriously, seriously dangerous, you know? And it's it's really, really sad when you keep in mind the eternal realities, right, of the world, of, of human existence. Um, it's just tragic to think that people are just denying that, you know, and are leading themselves far, like choosing, like intentionally choosing to be far away from God.
2: Yep. Yep. And you, yeah, they don't, they, they know that what they're doing is against God. They know it because they're called out by so many Catholics. They're like, when you, when you think the fact that like, at some point, someone formed them that way, at some point, like, like they've been led astray and they've been led astray to believe that that is okay. And that they can still because like some of these politicians that, that, that like they don't make the sense like I used to be Catholic but now I am a blank and I have a new name for myself because I know that what I'm doing what, what I'm doing is totally contrary to the faith. Right. We don't have, Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Now um, I'm a like, modernist or whatever you want to call yes, it. a progressivist yeah. Like. Yeah. Just say just that.
2: Schism- just say it. I'm a schismatic. Right. Yeah. I'm a heretic. Like, like they, they need <laughs> it. like, but it's true.
0: Well, yeah, obviously. Imagine just funny when <laughs> you imagine Nancy Pelosi and it's just being like, oh, by the way, I identify as a heretic <laughs> Yeah,
2: well, why not? Finally,
0: rightfully. Yeah, no, if you're going to be one, yeah, you might as well call it out for yourself. But you know, everything that,
2: else in our world.
0: Speaking of heresy, that reminds me of the, the second big point that I feel like you you made me think of is how much of this comes back to Another thing that the devil has divided and made incredible progress on with this whole concept of Jesus versus religion, right? Like Jesus versus religion, like, uh, you know, you can't uh, force your religion on people. You just have to have a relationship with Jesus. And what that's come to mean in so many circles in so many places is this nice woke Jesus that doesn't call out people's sin, doesn't judge, never gets upset or angry. We can't separate ourselves from him through sin because he's just always, you know, always just loving and nice and just uh, wants you to be happy and do whatever makes you happy and, and promote self-care and self-love. And it's like religion, one of the big differences, I think, is that religion, when we talk about the authority of the church, when the church has authority, that means you can't be Catholic and be pro-choice. You can't be Catholic and attend, uh, you know, LGBTQ rallies, right, and and, and promote not just love and acceptance for people and, and embracing people and walking them, uh, walking with them in accompaniment uh, you know, through the gospel and to Jesus and through repentance and, and in a loving manner, but actually endorsing and promoting sin. You can't do that in religion, but you can do that if you can just base your entire thing off this spirituality and this nice Jesus and just say, well, I have a personal relationship with Christ and I've been baptized, so now I'm saved. I don't have to worry about any of that anymore, right? Like how much easier is it Because at least with Catholicism, like, even though so many people don't recognize it, it's still so easy and I'm so thankful it's easy to call it out to say, okay, you can't say that you're uh, Catholic and do those things. And we see the, uh, you know, heresy all the way up to sometimes apostasy in priests and bishops and lay people who promote this stuff. But, at, you know, at least we have the, the book, like we have the catechism, right? Like we have church teaching, we have the magisterium to point back to not like a lot of, you know, the non-denom Protestants who just have promoted this, you know, you just need a relationship with Jesus. And it's like, all right, well, how does that affect the
2: rest of our lives? Because our, okay, so our, I just, I preached a homily on this uh, three weeks ago on spiritual yet not religious. And I spoke about the fact that it's actually on, you, you, no one can say that except for an angel because an angel doesn't have a body. So angels can say, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Like a human being can't say that. You can't say I'm spiritual, but it's impossible to say. And like three real quick analogies on that would be to say like, I like music. I like the idea of music. I like the concept of music, but there's no music on my iPod. I never listen to music. I've never been to a rock concert because the reality is, is that music is... To like music, you physically has to have to participate in music, and the more that you like music, the more that you actually incorporate your whole entire body into it. You you physically go to a concert and you freaking dance like a madman with a beer in your hand. If you like music, so you can't say I like spiritual things but I'm not religious. Same thing would be, uh, let's say like I like baseball. I like I like you know I like sports. Well, no, you like you can't. Say that and have never touched a baseball, gone gone to a game, played a game, Watched entered me. into a game. Yeah. You can also say the same thing with like fitness. This ties in so much, so like with with seeking excellence. Oh yeah, I am I am a firm believer in fitness, firm believer in it. I just don't ever do anything. <laughs> that, that that's called being spiritual but not religious. Yeah i phys- I love fitness. I just don't ever do it because it's it's, it's like everybody like that's where everybody kind of <laughs> when you think about like you know their New Year's resolutions like everybody is like totally I love fitness and then you know a month later this you know the health club knows that they they got your seven you know your seventy nine dollar startup fee and they got you hooked on a twenty dollar per per month club membership and you're never gonna come back because you actually are that when it comes to fitness. You right. love fitness, you just never do it. Like you totally love the idea of being in, in, in shape, but you don't ever work out. You totally love the idea of having a six packs, six pack, six, six pack abs, but you don't ever do it. That's called being spiritual and religious and it's total bull crap. We are human beings, which means our body soul composites, which means that the realities of our lives are spiritual and they're religious. It's not an either or
0: preach that goodness. I love it. No, I think that's so, I think it's so important. Uh, it's like
2: another one real quick. I love the idea of math. Like I love the fact that two plus two equals four. Love that. It's so awesome. But Then okay. So what about the reality of that? Like, do you like I'm spiritual, but not religious. So I'm mathematical, but I just don't actually believe in practicing mathematics. Well, yeah, try that at the checkout line when you hand the guy a 50 and, he get, and you're, you're supposed to get $30 back in change and he gives you a $2 bill. Like, yeah, how do you like being, being mathematical, but not, you know, in practice. physical and yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not, we're human beings. Like this, the ideas that we have are put into action and they're put into practice. And mm-hmm. that's how we live out our lives as human beings. We do things, right. which ultimately is religion. It's what religion is. And then the yeah. question just ultimately comes like, what is the best way to live? What is, what really did God reveal to us? And how does God want us to live that out? Well, we ultimately find that the perfection of that and the culmination of that really is Roman Catholicism. Um, and It's beautiful. Hey, so I love. don't it. go back to, don't go back to normal.
0: Don't go back to normal. So let's talk about that a little bit more about the future. And one thing that we, you know, kind of under the, the the Seeking Excellence umbrella of spiritual excellence, that's what I really feel like is lacking. And, and you kind of touched on it earlier when we talked about the future and what that looks like, or when you have questioned, you know, what does uh, some of these politicians, what are their spiritual practices and their spiritual habits look like? So what, let's talk about what spiritual excellence looks like on an individual level. And then, you know, obviously that that kind of leads into what it looks like for the church. But. How can we strive for, for spiritual excellence ourselves what does that look like things like praying the Rosary and yeah, adoration yeah. so about at, our, at our
2: parish we have what we refer to as our expectations and we have parish expectations and those expectations are are, are very clear you know obviously you know bare minimum Sunday mass we say okay you should also get to daily mass at least once a week you should do an hour of prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament. In our perpetual adoration chapel, once a week, the daily rosary, ten minutes in silence. Some of you are like, "Oh my gosh, Father, you're killing me already!" Like I struggle to get to daily mass. I mean, I struggle to get to Sunday mass. But life is all about priorities. So when we when when we look at like how do we work on spiritual excellence, we actually work on it. So we actually enter into it. So we we, we talk a lot at All Saints Parish about Sunday mass, one daily mass a week one hour in front of uh, our Lord and blessed sacrament daily rosary, 10 minutes of silence and then charitable actions. Like how do we all the more like live out our faith in compassion and uh, service giving of ourselves, generosity, practicing that. Um, but yeah, I think like as, as an individual, like that's a good bar to kind of look at. Like it's just like when, you know, when you're, when you ask them, are they Catholic? Like, oh, my grandma, she was really Catholic. <laughs> uh, so do you pray the daily rosary and go to mass? Or was it just your grandma? Uh, so there comes a point where we, we need to actually own up to that and say like, well, why why in the history of the church is like, have those things always been such a huge part of people's lives? And yeah, make it happen in our own because we want joy. Like I, I think that's always a, like, we want joy the of the Holy Spirit, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's so big. But I think I think people need that, you know, and that's that's one of the things I'm most passionate about with this ministry of trying to show people like, and talk about these things like, like, what does excellence look like for the Catholic human being in 2021? And I think that those are the things right. And you're not going to hit all of them all the time, right? Not all of us are going to go undefeated in this. And I, I think people need to take a gradual approach to how do I increase it? You know, like, how do I I don't think that this, if, if somebody who's not doing any of those things says, okay, I'm going to go for it, right? And next week, they're going to go to an hour of adoration. They're going to pray the rosary every day. They're going to go to two daily masses. They're going to go to mass on Sunday. They're going to do 10 minutes of silence a day. You're probably going to crash a burden. You're probably going to fail, right? And so I think it's important to lay all of these things out, analyze, you know, what comes most naturally to me? What's, what's, the most, uh, what's the easiest one to initially fit into my schedule, right, that I can make time for? I know I can make time for 10 minutes of silence a day, right? And I can go to one daily mass this week okay, well then do that, right? Like commit to that um, and, and do that consistently for two weeks and then add in something else, right? I mean, I've ebbed and flows in those things where there's times where I was doing all of those things and crushing it. And there's times where I was doing just going to daily mass or just going to mass on Sunday, right? And so you, you ebb and flow, you pick yourself back up, right? Like you get hurt physically, just like my Achilles injury, you know, I often talk about how that was a huge setback. And now I'm kind of working my way slowly getting back into the rhythm of walking and exercising and doing all these things again uh that's exactly what it's like in the spiritual life right like you get yeah. hurt or you know by your own doing or by something that happens in your life <clears throat> excuse me you lose a loved one whatever happens right that gives you some type of setback but having this concept of spiritual excellence thats why i love that your parish has the expectations because we don't have that as a church and you have all these different spiritual leaders uh you know priests bishops lay people who are constantly telling people different things that are saying, you know, salvation's for all, or, you know, we uh, had a great interview with Kim Zember who wrote um, restless heart about her struggle with life and sexuality. And she talks about having multiple priests in there who, when she was in same sex relationships told her like, yeah, just you're you're fine. God loves you how you are. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Right. And so we don't have a clear definition of that. And so you really need to just speaking to the people who are listening, you really have to discern and seek out your orthodox faithful priests, faithful lay people who are writing things like A Church in Crisis by Ralph Martin, um, priests like Father Meyer, priests like Father Chase that you can look to and you can say, okay, I need you to help me get my life together, right? Or like, what do you encourage I do so that I can be a saint? To look at the saints' lives of the past, to read those and, and study them and learn, like, what did they do? It's the same thing. I often talk about this in regards to basketball growing up. Like, I would watch highlight tapes of derrick rose and kobe bryant and lebron james and say okay now i'm gonna try to do that and that's what we have to do with the saints too is the The saints pray the rosary every day why do i think i can never pray it Saints with the confession regularly why do i think i can never pray it and i'm gonna have the same fate as them and i'm gonna go to heaven just like them you know like it doesn't make any sense and i I mean i'm talking to myself in a lot of ways like because i have been flow especially all the time with my consistency with the rosary um and it's the month of may and it's a great time to get back into it
2: yeah and no, it's it's Everybody's struggle, every relationship. I was I was right, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a like, what human relationship do you have that's perfect that never has ebb and flow? What human relationship do you have that likes not at all a struggle? And like, that's, I mean, my relationship with my mom and dad, like, there's times where just like ours. we don't talk as much as, as just yours and mine.
0: That's the only one that's perfect.
2: Oh, that is true. <laughs> but, like, yeah, my relationship with my mom and dad isn't always what it should be. My relationship with my people in my office isn't always what it should be. Like, it's it, it's it's constant it doesn't stop right so if we to go back to normal then we have to constantly be pushing to go back to a, actually to not go back at all i always say why are we trying to go back like let's move to where god is calling us right now and god clearly is not calling us to go back clearly absolutely
0: absolutely i love it so we have a lot more to share today's podcast gave me the idea that we need to do one on all four of the isms so that's, oh my now, gosh. that's now on the agenda
2: for the future. I love talking about minimalism and magnanimity.
0: Yeah, very opposing uh, things. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that for sure. So just encourage everybody, dude, be spiritually excellent. Be excellent in everything that you do. Nobody wants to be mediocre. One of my favorite phrases I've heard a lot of times here at Benedictine from my good friend, Grayson Dahl, is he often says that the devil owns the fence. And so when you're being lukewarm or you're sitting on the fence, you don't know what side you're going to be on with things like pro-choice, with things like any types of these types of sins that are just dominating our world today. The devil owns the fence. And so get off the fence, get on God's side and pursue spiritual excellence with with everything in your being. And so Father Meyer, thank you for joining me today. It's always a pleasure getting to record and, and chat with you. I really appreciate it, my man.
2: You're welcome. Great to be with you, brother.